Hello everybody, it is Michael here with another episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. I appreciate you guys' support on the show. We got some pretty interesting stuff to talk about in this episode. I have some teams that I want to highlight and want to discuss. Not many though, there hasn't been too many surprising things recently. But I do have a little game we'll be playing which is called Will This Keep Up? And this is basically just going to be a pretty simple game. I'm going to talk about either a team or a player that has been surprising me. It can be in a positive or a negative way. And then I'll discuss if I think it's going to keep up and then why. And then if it does, what that will affect. Uh, we have to talk about Markel Fultz's injury. And then I have three players that I want to spotlight. And in this episode, we're going to be doing a theme for rookies. And it actually happens to be all rookie guards in this one with those being Payne Pritchard, Tyrese Halliburton, and LaMelo Ball. So yeah, let's just get right into the episode. First team I want to talk about is the Portland Trailblazers. They've been a team that's been pretty interesting so far this season as I was very, very high on them. And I spoke multiple times about me being high on this roster. I thought they could have been one of the best teams in the West. And they definitely still have the chance to be. Uh, these reactions are always just early season reactions. You always have to keep that in mind. But so far, at least in the season, they've just been underwhelming at this point. They haven't been a terrible team by any means. But they just haven't been as good as I expected them to be. Yusuf Nurkic has probably been the player on this roster who's disappointed me the most. If you know me, I've spoken spoken very highly of Yusuf on multiple occasions, but he's just been pretty disappointing so far. Through eight games, he's averaged 10.4 points, uh, 7.8 rebounds, and 3.3 assists. I expected those numbers to be much, much better. And I mean, if we look at his time in the bubble, he averaged 17.6 points, 10.3 rebounds, and 4 assists. So it's just weird for me to see him put up worse numbers uh now than he did in the bubble when he was coming off that big leg injury and he hadn't played basketball in so so long it just feels like he hasn't been as involved in the offense and definitely seems like he hasn't been aggressive and he needs to because it's not like he's a very good defender like he's not this big net negative on the defense side of the ball I'd say he's probably a net neutral to maybe slightly net negative uh, he's just a solid defensive player fine enough but uh, for him not to really be making that much of an impact on the offense side ball really limits his impact as a whole. And he's got to get that figured out. His conditioning hasn't really looked like it's been there that much either. Only playing 24.7 minutes a game. I, I hope he does turn things around. I do think he uh, definitely has the opportunity to turn things around. He just has to start playing uh, better soon. Dame has been pretty solid this year. Uh, definitely started off a little bit slow. Had a big game uh, last night against the... Uh, against the who the the Minnesota Timberwolves are just completely blanked right there, and that's definitely helping his averages a ton. He's back to the normal Damian Lillard type of numbers: twenty-seven point six points, forty-four percent from the field, thirty-eight percent from three on almost eleven attempts per game, six point six. But he was definitely struggling a little bit before that, and it was a lot of the times a thing where it was just a lack of aggression, which was really weird. I could understand this was a pretty new roster; there was a lot of different pieces, so it definitely seemed like he was trying to take a step back and then let the other guys go to work and be more of a facilitator. But we all know Damian Lillard's best role is when he's being aggressive, because then that opens up his 
facilitating game. Like, if you look last year, he was averaging 30 points, but I feel like a lot of people didn't even realize the dude was averaging eight assists, was one of the uh, highest guys in the league in assists. So I just think when he's being the most aggressive is when it really opens up the game for all his other teammates. So if he continues to play how he's playing uh, right now and gets back to the old Damian Lillard, which I 100 percent expect them to do i obviously they'll be fine because they have one of the best players in the world on their team uh, again it's just been a little bit of a disappointment cj has been pretty awesome to begin the season so that's definitely been nice to see he's been one of the best scorers in the league he's just been absolutely hooping uh, i'm really surprised by the amount of threes he's taken per game he's taken 11 threes per game which i definitely expect to be lower but if he can continue to be a high volume three-point shooter uh, i think that'd be great for this roster and then he's playmaking pretty well as well which is nice to see he's taken on that responsibility uh 5.3 assists per game and now i feel like he's letting dame be more the main guy and then they're both just playmaking so that backcourt duo has continued to have the great dynamic that it's had for a long long time now robert covington has been a big disappointment as well uh he's really just not been the guy expected out of him he's shooting the ball very very poorly i mean he's never been a guy to shoot a super high percentage like except for in uh, 2019 when he played for the timberwolves and he played for uh philly i mean he shot 37.8 39 like he's been a good shooter throughout his career but he, uh it, a lot of the times he's just pretty inconsistent but people always value his three-point shooting ability so much because he's just a guy who is always a threat out there but if you look at 2020 uh, for Houston, he shot 31.5% on 7.6 per game. Like, he's just a pretty inconsistent guy from out there. And then even though he's an elite off-ball defender, one of the best off-ball defenders in the entire league, just strictly as a wing one-on-one -on -one defender, he's good, but he's not nearly the level he is as an off-ball defender. And that's where his true value is bra as an off-ball defender so if he's not really hitting his shots like that and he's still a very good and positive defender but not like the elite lockdown wing that the trailblazers do need then he just doesn't have that much value on the squad so he's got to start turning things around he's just not been efficient from any spot uh of the field i mean he's shooting 4.6 threes per game and shooting 32.4%, shooting 6.1 shots as a whole. So most of them are coming from three-point range, which I do like to see because he's never a player you want to create for himself. And he's shooting 36.7% from the field as a whole. He's a guy who you basically only want scoring on a straight line drive to the basket, uh, backdoor cuts, and then fast breaks, and then uh, catch and shoot stuff. So he's got to really get his catch and shoot uh, stuff going and then guys off the bench have been playing pretty solid love how Gary Trent's been playing but honestly I just want to see Gary Trent get more minutes because I think he's a stud of a player and I think if he was getting more involved in the offense he could really really put up some good numbers he's shooting 5.5 threes a game shooting 45 and a half percent and he's only getting 0.4 more minutes than he did last year so I think uh, him getting more involved would definitely help it is just kind of hard because you don't really want him playing the three that much and then they their two guards are so good that's always been the thing with 
Anthony Simons as well. Like, he's had struggles, and he's just a pretty inconsistent player as a whole. But he's one of those players who I feel like has never gotten a fair chance. And it's not really on the Trailblazers. It's more just the construction of the roster and how it works uh, because of those two guards. Ennis Cantor is someone who needs to be playing less. And this was something that was really exposed in Stephen Curry's 62-point game. They were constantly going at Ennis Cantor in the pick and roll. And would it have been, like, much better if Yusuf Nurkic was on the floor instead uh nah not really but even if you put someone like harry giles in or put like a guy like Derek jones or robert covington at the five get some more mobility and athleticism out there because like james wiseman is a good player but he's not someone you is gonna kill you like you'd rather dare james wiseman to be you than steph curry to be you but they just consistently ran these lineups that were free cheats for steph and curry and that's the thing with terry stotts is i just have never been super high on him as a coach like he's been able to win them some regular season games but he's never really been able to get them over the hump and i just feel like he isn't that good of a coach like his rotations have kind of been exposed this year he's definitely not very good at all at making it uh, in-game adjustments and I just again have never thought he's that good of a coach like especially in their Bulls game it stood out to me the most where they just blew the lead it was it was an absolute embarrassment that game they were up by 20 uh, something at one point and they were uh, able to just completely blow that and this wasn't even with like Zach Levine having a crazy game he shot 6 of 18 did hit the huge shot for the Chicago Bulls that really mattered but they just were not playing good basketball to close out that game. And it was an embarrassment to watch. So the Portland Trailblazers have been a team that has been disappointing. Hopefully that uh, win against the Timberwolves will mean something. Timberwolves aren't a very good team, especially without Carl Anthony Towns. But I'm never one of those guys who criticizes a team for winning. Like at the end of the day, you got to win against the teams you're better than. And that's what they did. So hopefully this can mean they can start getting some momentum. But again, they've just been a disappointing team that I was super, super high on going into the season. Next team I want to talk about is the Chicago Bulls. They are starting to turn things around, which has been a nice sight to see. They did most recently lose to the Sacramento Kings in a game that was just super close. It was really fun to watch. De'Aaron Fox did get injured early, but a guy uh, that I've liked for a long, long time, I've spoken highly on him, highly of him on multiple, multiple occasions, continues to just prove me right. And that man is Tyrese Halliburton. He was killing the Bulls all game. Uh, Rashawn Holmes was eaten inside, had 24-8. and eight. Marvin Bagley finally had a good game and had 21-12. and 12. Uh, Harrison Barnes has 20. Th- those guys just all stepped up very uh, well in the Aaron Fox's absent. Uh, but even the guys on the Bulls did play pretty well. Their backcourt, even though I'm always terrified about them on the defensive side of the ball. Zach Levine's a pretty solid on-ball defender, but his uh, effort, especially off-ball, effort and IQ can be pretty wishy-washy. And then Kobe White just isn't a very good defender at this point. Those guys were both awesome this game, though. 36 from Kobe White, 32 from Zach Levine. Kobe White also had seven assists. Definitely have been liking to see his playmaking improving. It's still not something that, like, super great by any means, but it is pretty solid. And he's having a good year at this point. 18 
18.6 points, uh, 5.1 rebounds, and 5.6 assists, shooting 37.3% from three on 7.4 attempts. This is the type of season I expected out of Kobe White. Not like some crazy all-star level season, but him to just be a really good basketball player, and that's what he is at this point. Zach Levine has continued to just be the Zach Levine that we expect around a 25-point-per-game score, and this is without him even hitting his threes, which is a part of a his game that I feel like is truly elite last year he shot 8.1 threes a game and shot 38 percent and he's basically shooting the same amount and he's shooting under 30 percent this season so when he starts to get that going that'll be really nice to see definitely has to cut down on the turnovers though 4.2 assists to 4.4 turnovers isn't something pretty to look at, but especially in that Trailblazers game they were able to win. He made so many good passes, was really, really showing off some good vision, and then hit the big shot when his shot was struggling. Like He was inefficient that entire game, but he was being the playmaker, putting an effort on defense, and then hitting the shot when they need it, so that's nice to see. I like how veterans off the bench have played. A guy like uh, Garrett Temple has actually been pretty nice nice for them even if he's not a big name by any mean or a super great player he's shooting 35 percent from three and has overall just been a nice presence to have off the bench uh, Thaddeus Young is the guy who I've wanted them to trade because I do think with a contending team Thaddeus Young could bring some really nice value but he's even played some like small ball center for this roster which has been an interesting experiment it's not something they go to often but it's something they'll go to a little bit and I do like the extra athleticism and just versatility he adds out there and he's just another nice solid veteran that's what you have to have with a young team like you can't just run all young guys out there and ever expect it to work you got to have a guy like an Otto Porter, a Thaddeus Young, and it has been uh, starting to work for them. After them looking like the worst team in the NBA, they were atrocious those first couple of games. It was ugly out there, but they're starting to turn it around, and their guys are just starting to look more like themselves. Like Wendell Carter is looking like himself. He is doing a thing that uh, was pointed out to me. Uh, most by uh, Kenny Beecham. He's a YouTuber who I love to watch. Definitely would recommend if you like basketball and literally check out any of his channels. I think he's a very, very uh, informational person and he's a Chicago Bulls fan and he was talking about it, and then it really stuck with me the next game that I watched is that he needs to stop dropping so much on screens Wendell Carter I think last year was one of the best defensive centers in the league and got no recognition for it this dude was helping the Bulls be a top three defense or like top five defense at one point with a roster that just wasn't that good because of how good he was on the defense side of the ball but in pick and roll coverage he drops so much and that hurts them a lot because like it's obviously fine to drop like the Milwaukee Bucks have had one of the best defenses for multiple years now from using that drop coverage defense but he drops way too far and one play that stood out in that King game was Buddy Heald getting around a screen and pulling up and then he got he had to get fouled from behind uh, because Wendell Carter dropped so much on an elite shooter like Buddy Heald and I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly it was Garrett Temple fouled him from behind because he tried to get around the screen and just with how NBA athletes are with how big and strong those got guys are it's so hard to get around the screen so he's definitely got to help more on that and that'll be a nice thing to see I'd also love to see his three-point shot start to hit as that was something I was really hoping would uh, be a 
an actual thing this year. And at least he's been taking them. It's been nice to see his confidence from out there. And I do love to see him get more involved as a playmaker because I think his playmaking is pretty nice. So he's definitely been like a mixed bag this year. Some really good things and some things uh, that he could definitely improve on. Uh, I do like what I've seen out of, of a guy like Daniel Gafford off the bench, even though some people are saying Daniel Gafford should be the starter, which you guys are just stupid. Like, there's no reason he should be the starter. But he's just a super good energy guy. I love the energy he brings off the bench for this Bulls team. He's just a guy who isn't super skilled, but is really, really athletic, can be a big-time shot blocker, catch lobs very well, and then just run the floor. So... Uh, I like what he brings to the team, and honestly, I just like the direction the Bulls are going into. They do not even have to be a playoff team. They could even not make the play, and they could be the 11th seed and like 10 games under 500. but if they look good, if I see development, and if I like the coaching from Billy Donovan, I say that's a success of a season, and they could look like a team that could be the 10th seed in the East and make the play on playing which was my expectations for them is to be around that and again i think that'd be a good season for them so i like some of the things i've seen recently from the bulls they looked like one of the worst teams in the nba but they're starting to turn things around and look like a competent basketball team for the first time in a while next team i want to talk about is the atlanta hawks uh, they've been getting some of the wrong momentum going recently, and there was some news that came out with uh, John Collins and Trey Young. Now, I do think a lot of people are blowing that way out of proportion. If you actually read the article instead of just looking at the headline, it would make a lot more sense to you. It's just typical stuff with two teammates who didn't agree on something, and disagreements are productive, especially with a team like the Hawks who's been playing poor basketball as of late. You guys have to hold each other accountable. That doesn't mean John Collins hates Trey Young. That doesn't mean there's going to be some bad blood brewing. And while it has been weird, like the way Trey Young has been performing, and I, I mean, I guess you could attribute that to maybe there's some off court stuff going on. Uh, I really don't think it is until we actually hear something uh, substantial. That was just a little thing, uh, and I think they'll get over it. It'll just be a thing that is. Uh, literally under the rug in a day no one's going to care about this by tomorrow unless some big news happens uh, I do think the John Collins uh, just situation with this team could be something that's just looming over their head because John Collins is in one of the most interesting positions of the league where he is a very very good player but I just don't think he's worth a max contract but I could also understand why him and his agent would want a max contract because he still has potential and he's already a very good player. But with him being a little bit less involved this year, he's just not looking like a max contract guy. Like he's only taking 12.6 shots per game. His three ball hasn't looked the same as it did last year. I do expect that to turn around for sure, though, because he just has really nice touches. Always been a pretty solid free throw shooter as well. Not getting as many rebounds, getting less minutes as well, only playing 28.3 compared to the 33.2 he did uh, last year. So that's definitely something that I could see uh, affecting the team. And that's a situation that's just going to have to continuously be monitored throughout the season. And it's one of the, just the most interesting things to me because I could definitely see a team being willing to give John Collins uh, a big contract. And I could see the Hawks being in a really tough position. And even though they have been struggling as of late, there are guys who've been standing out for this roster. Uh, a guy like DeAndre Hunter has been playing some really good basketball this season. After a, a weird 
uh, rookie season where I expected him to be better because he was an older rookie, and I just thought he was going to come in and uh, just be solid immediately. But he was super up and down, had some awesome moments, and then had some really ugly moments as well. He's just been consistently nice this season. 16 points, uh, 6.6 rebounds. is shooting the three ball excellently, almost 43% on 5.3 attempts. Love to see that type of performance from him. And that's just what he needs to be, the 3 and D guy for this roster on the wing. And that's just uh, perfect from him. But Trey Young has been playing so weird as of late. It's just this timidness and just this lack of confidence that you would never expect from a guy like Trey Young. He's going back to playing like rookie Trey Young and not even rookie Trey Young at the end of the, his rookie season where he was playing some really good basketball. He's playing like uh, first half of his rookie season, Trey Young, where he's just not looking like the same dude, especially in that game against Charlotte. That was one of the weirdest performances I've ever seen. Seven turnovers. A lot of them were so weird. He was passing out of shots. Only took nine shots. He's been so good at getting to the line this season and only got to the line three times. I I mean, only shot nine shots, missed all three of his threes. And that's definitely been something that he's been struggling with is that three-point shot. Only shooting about 31.1% as of this season. So... He's just been playing some kind of weird basketball out of late. Like, if we look at his game against Brooklyn, 7 of 21. Uh, against Cleveland, 6 of 16. Against New York, 9 of 22. 1 of 6 from 3. And they blew a massive lead in that one. I don't really think that was Trey Young's fault. And then that game against Charlotte was just one of the most out-of-character performances I've seen out of Trey Young. Because usually, even if it's not on good efficiency, he's going to be taking shots. That's just his play style. That's just how he plays basketball. So it was really weird to see. Uh, that from him. Cam Reddish has been a player who's been struggling this season. 10 points on 10.1 shots. Uh, 34.6% from the field. 28.6% from three. Still a really good wing defender and still brings value in that. Uh, I do love his wing defense. And I think he still has a ton of potential. But he's one of those players that I feel like needs a place where he could be more of a main focus because there's just so many guys on this roster especially when they get healthy because you have to consider they haven't even been healthy for a lot of this time a guy like Danilo Gallinari's only played two games and Yeko Kong who hasn't played yet Clint Capella has missed time here and there and obviously those guys don't play his position but it's just more guys who needs to get minutes on this roster and I think the idea of Cam Reddish and the potential of him is just way superseding the actual player that Cam Reddish is at this point. A lot of Hawks fans were hyping him up a lot, and I can understand that because you see the flashes, and he has a lot of really good flashes where you're like, yo, is this a, is this a dude... Is this guy the next Paul George? Like, he can look amazing at sometimes, but then he has just a lot of games where he's inefficient. He isn't shooting the three ball well. He's maybe turning it over, and it just doesn't look that uh, good out there for him. So he's got to start being more consistent, especially if he's getting as many minutes as he is. I mean, he's playing almost as much as John Collins. Bogdan Bogdanovich has been a huge disappointment off their bench. Uh, so far it's been really weird to see the way he's been performing he's been uh, just pretty cold I mean he had a a good game recently uh, but previous to that his stats were ugly now they're up to 39 percent of the field 37.7 percent from three but at one point he was just really struggling with the three ball uh, and I 
I do want to see him more involved as a playmaker on this roster. Uh, he's only averaging 2.4 assists per game, but I think more minutes where he's a playmaker alongside Trey Young is Trey Young is doing more off-ball stuff. Uh, I think that could help a lot. We, we've seen that with Steph Curry, and I hate that comparison. I think that comparison is absolutely stupid. They're two completely different players. But I'm just saying, if they were both playing the similar role of being an off-ball player, I think that would really unlock Trey Young shooting and uh, have those percentages looking a lot better, even if he was sh- maybe not shooting as many per game, if he was just more efficient. So I, I definitely want to see Bogdan start playing some better basketball. Um and then due to their injuries, certain guys are just getting minutes who shouldn't be getting minutes. A guy like Brandon Goodwin just shouldn't be playing. But that's not an issue going into the future because you got to consider uh, Chris Dunn has been in and out. Uh, Rondo's been hurt. Like, a lot of guys on this roster have been hurt. And it's obviously nice that I'll add depth to this team. But you also have to consider you can't just plug in a guy and then just expect everything to just be normal. And this has always been my things with this Hawks and with this Hawks offseason as a whole. They're a good team and they're going to be a solid team this year, even if they have some growing pains. And honestly, I think it's good for them to get their growing pains out of the way right now. I'd rather have them be struggling right now a little bit uh, and then turn things around uh, going into the uh the like middle and late end of the season instead of struggling at the end of the season where you're fighting for a playoff spot so i think it's good go through growing pains now and then get over it but like i was saying with the uh, them just having so many players that can play in a lot of depth. It obviously helps at a time like this where they're dealing with so many injuries. But if all those guys are healthy, and again, this has always been my thing with the Hawks this offseason, I just feel like someone is going to be left out. And a guy that probably would be left out for me is uh, Cam Reddish or even a guy like Kevin Herter, who's been awesome for them this season. He's been bringing that secondary playmaking. Uh, He's kind of been playing the role that I expected more Bogdanovich to play. And he's been shooting the three ball awesome. He's just such a good shooter. 41.3% from three on 5.8 attempts is just great. And he's been such a good just spark off that bench. Uh, So it's definitely going to be interesting when all these guys are healthy, who's going to be the odd man out and who's not going to be getting as many minutes, especially with a coach in Lloyd Pierce, who I just really don't trust. Uh, A lot of the times they've had big leads multiple games and then have just completely blown it. And obviously it has to be put on the players as well. Like the players aren't just exempt to that. But a lot of times I do feel like it's been his coaching decisions, his rotations just haven't been that good. And when things start to go wrong, it just seems like he doesn't really know what to do. He seems to not be one of those coaches who's really good at making in-game adjustments like uh, like I said, when things start going wrong, he just seems a little bit lost out there. So the Hawks have definitely been struggling. After a really hot start where they looked phenomenal, they've just not been the same team. Uh, I think they've lost like three out of four games or four out of the last five games. So definitely have to start turning some things around soon. Got to start playing some better basketball. Uh, I think they do have a game tonight, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, they actually don't. Let me check when their next game is. So they're playing the Hornets again. Hopefully Trey Young can bounce back in this game, and hopefully they they can stop Gordon Hayward from putting up 44 points like they did. 
but that'll definitely be a big game for them to just try and start getting some momentum. And I still think they're going to be a playoff team, don't get me wrong, especially when you see a team like the Wizards struggling the way they are. But certain teams are outperforming their expectations. A team like the Pacers, who some people said the Hawks were going to be better. A team like the Cavs, Knicks, have been playing some pretty good basketball, so you definitely have to start to get things going. But I'm still not super worried about the Hawks. I still think they're a good team. And I just think they're a young team going through growing pains like every young team does, and it makes completely sense to why they're struggling. Now, the game I want to talk about is the Miami Heat. Uh, now, they most recently played the Boston Celtics in a very, very good game where the Celtics almost choked at the end of the game, where there was some terrible refing as well. I, I hate the two-minute report because it just it does nothing but annoy fans, and that's exactly what it did to me when I saw that they missed four foul calls on the Heat. That frustrated me so much as a Celtics fan, but at the end of the day, the Celtics did win the game. And in this one, it was definitely more of a typical Heat performance. Jimmy Butler had had such a weird season to that point where he just wasn't being that same guy. And it was just more of a typical Jimmy Butler type of performance where he puts up 26 points, gets to the line as well as he does. He's just always been so, so good at getting to the line. And his numbers were definitely affected by the injury that he had. But it was just certain games where he just wasn't being aggressive. Like the game he came back. Uh, against in Dallas, he literally shot six shots and missed all of them, only scored two points in that game. It's definitely been a weird season for Jimmy Butler, but I do excuse a lot of that just due to the fact that they are coming off a season where uh, they had the second shortest offseason behind the Lakers in NBA history, and I feel like a lot of people are just forgetting the Heat aren't a regular season team anyway. Like last year, they were the five seed. They weren't this just super special, crazy team that everyone was scared about. It was when it came playoff time. It was when Eric Spolstra could really hone in to whatever matchup they were facing and then make just such good rotations for that. Always make just amazing adjustments. That's when they really, really stood out. But there are certain things that should be cause for concern for this team. Like Tyler Hero definitely hasn't been great at this point in the season. He's shooting under 30% from three. I do like to see his playmaking. He's averaging 4.1 assists per game. But he's just not having that season uh, that you would expect out of this uh, out of a sophomore player, he just really hasn't taken uh, much of a leap, it seems like. And he has improved in certain parts of his game. It just isn't the leap that I, I wanted again. Because I actually really like Tyler Hero. I'm not someone who just hates on Tyler Hero and calls him overrated. Because at this point, calling him overrated is just beating a dead horse. Because literally everyone has called him overrated. And I feel like when so many people call you overrated, you, you really can't be overrated. But he just hasn't been that good. Uh, and especially at the end of that Celtics game, he was kind of selling for them. Uh, and he just had some really bad moments. Duncan Robinson is just being Duncan Robinson. I mean, he's not, still not doing anything j just absolutely ridiculous or special. But he's a 40% free three-point shooter on eight plus attempts per game. That's just what you expect out of Duncan. He's not really going to bring much on the defensive side of the ball. He's never going to be some creator for himself. I mean, he takes eight of his 8.6 shots from three. I think that'll tell you enough, and very little of them are off the dribble. And even the off the dribble ones are like when he uh, passes it to Bam at, at like the top of the key, and then uh, 
They'll do a handoff play. Bam will set him a screen. He takes just one dribble and pulls up. That's such a good play. And they ran that a couple times against the Celtics. It's just such a hard play to uh, defend against because Duncan is such an elite shooter. And then Bam is such an elite screen setter. So I definitely like what Duncan brings to this team. He just brings such elite spacing. And he's such a consistent player. Like he, He's one of those players who just doesn't really have moments where you're like, oh, man, he's just not doing what he should be out there. Bam has been awesome this season. Uh, I just absolutely love what Bam brings to this team. He's continuing to do what he was doing in the playoffs and and what he was doing last year. I mean, he's definitely bumped up his scoring. He's doing a better job of getting to the free throw line. Uh, he's actually getting to the free throw line five point. Uh, getting to the line the same amount of times, but I meant to say he's finishing at the free throw line better. Uh, He's shooting 81.1% compared to a 69.1% last year, so that's definitely nice to see. Up to 18.6 points per game, and he's just been performing very well, doing the playmaking that he always does, which is one of my favorite parts of his game. Probably my favorite, actually, is just his ability to playmake, because uh, I feel like playmaking centers can really completely unlock an offense, and that's what Bam Adebayo does for, does for this team. Uh, still a great rebounder, great screen setter, and is an elite a roller to the rim with his crazy athleticism as well. So he's been playing very well. Uh, Goran Dragic is someone I feel like they need to give the start to. I know his role as a six-man really does fit him and works very, very well, but I just think he should be the starter and getting more minutes. And I could understand the rationale of him not starting due to him being an older player who has uh, dealt with some injuries and did deal with some injuries in last year's finals. So, again, I understand why he's not starting, but I just feel like if they really want to be a good regular season team, which they may not even care about that much, they may just want to come playoff time and then really show everything they have but if they want if they want to be a good regular season team I do feel like he uh, needs to start because the offense just hasn't been good this year the offense has been like one of the worst in the league I think they're 25th in offensive rating uh, and then Goran Dragic could obviously help that quite a lot because he's such a good offensive player. So him getting more minutes would definitely be something nice to see. Kendrick Nunn has basically just fallen out of the rotation, which honestly didn't surprise me because he was really struggling in last year's playoffs and kind of fell out of the rotation as well, and he's been pretty bad this year. I feel like he was one of those players who was just off to a hot start, as unfortunate as it is because you never want a player to just not succeed succeed I uh, that's just is what it is with him and even though they have players that I like a lot Avery Bradley is an awesome player for them to have I like Andre Godala as well those players just aren't offensive players and they have a lot of guys who are more focused on defense but they haven't been even standing out on defense and I think that is due to guys like Duncan Robinson and guys like Tyler Hero holding in the back because even though they do a good job of hiding uh, those guys on that side of the ball you can only do so much uh, I do like what I've seen out of the rookie, Precious Achua. He's just been super nice energy off their bench. Uh, he reminds me of like a Montrez Harrell type of player with uh, better defense. He does a good job of protecting the rim. And again, it just brings so much energy. Just uh, is always 100% effort out there. And is a player who just fits so well into Miami's culture. He is the perfect player for this roster, the perfect pick for this team. And I do like what I've seen out of him this season. He's definitely been one of the bright spots on this roster. So even though they have been struggling at this point in the season compared to what our expectations for them were, I just don't think people should be worried. I think people need to realize this is a playoff team. This isn't one of those teams that's going to be super 
hyper-focused on the regular season. And I think when it comes playoff time, they're still going to be one of the most terrifying teams in the NBA. Now getting into the game we're playing with, will this keep up? Starting with the Orlando Magic. The Orlando Magic have been off to a very hot start at this point in the season, being 6-2. and two. Uh, They've just been a very, very impressive team who's been playing some just really good basketball just as a whole. Like, a certain player hasn't really stood out. Nikola Vucevic is doing Nikola Vucevic stuff, which is just playing very, very good basketball. He's one of those players who is just super consistent, and he's playing more like his all-star season. He's shooting the three ball at a probably unsustainable rate with him shooting 5.4 per game and shooting 44%, but he's always going to be a threat in the pick and pop and is a good three-point shooter. Love that part of his game. Is an awesome post player. He just has really good footwork down there. Such a nice soft toucher around the rim good mid-range game as well great rebounder pretty solid playmaker too he's just almost everything you'd want in a modern center except for not being the greatest defender Markel Fultz was playing very very good for them but unfortunately as Torres ACL that was just absolutely tragic because even though his stats don't look great for this season he's averaging 12.9 points on under 40% from the field and 25% from the three, especially at the start of the season, he was hooping for this team. Averaging like 17, 5 and 5, like he was playing some really good basketball. And I just love Markel Fultz's game. I thought he was going to have a really good season for this roster. So obviously that hurts them a ton. Uh, and with a team like this that just doesn't have the craziest amount of talent anyway, especially with Jonathan Isaac already being injured, them just losing another important part of their young core is a big loss for them for sure and is something that gives me way less confidence that this will keep up in any capacity because I I think we all know, Magic fans know, everybody knows that it's unrealistic for a 6-2 record uh, and them being the second team in the Eastern Conference, it's unrealistic for that to keep up, and they will not keep it up. I, I'm just going to go out of the way and say that. But them having the injuries that they have just gives me even less confidence. And then certain players like Terrence Ross playing so well early in the season just doesn't give me much confidence either because Terrence Ross is one of those players who's just super streaky and will probably go back down to normal Terrence Ross, which is around like 15 points per game. Because, I mean, the dude is shooting almost 40%, uh, 47% from the three on 6.4 game. That's just not sustainable from a streaky guy like him. He's a guy who fits in like that J.R. Smith, Tim Hardaway type of mold where they're going to have really good streaks like this where they're going to help you win. And then they're going to have some really uh, other bad streaks. Cole Anthony is someone who's definitely going to have to take a step up now that Markel Fultz is injured. Hasn't been playing that good at all at this point in the season. Looks really good in preseason, but his shot just isn't hitting. He's been very inefficient, shooting 30% from uh, the field and 19% from three. But I do think he can turn things around, and I do think he could be a player that now he does have more opportunity, could start to stand out for them. I do like the way Aaron Gordon's been playing at this point in the season. He has never taken the leap that I've wanted him to, which is unfortunate because I, I just always saw more potential in Aaron Gordon. And I always, it's one of those things where like the idea of Gordon is much better than the reality of Aaron Gordon. But if he can just be a solid player, then I'm not really going to criticize him for being something that he just simply isn't. But in only 25 minutes per game, he's averaging almost 14 points, shooting it pretty well from the field. 
almost a career high. Actually, is his career high at this point, shooting 48.8% from the field. Also shooting 35.5% from three. Another career high from him, so that's definitely nice to see. And then he's just a really good uh, defender who's versatile on that side of the ball. So I do like his game, and I do like the way he's been playing at this point in the season. But I just can't see this keeping up for the Orlando Magic because they're just not a good enough roster. And they're a team that's done this so many times where they start off super hot, and we all know it's not legit. And then the Markel Fultz injury obviously hurts a lot. So, in my opinion, the Orlando Magic will not keep this up. Now, going on to the next team, we got the Philadelphia 76ers. They have looked great at this point in the season. Did lose a weird game to the Nets last night. And that's one of those games that I'm honestly not too surprised they lost. It's just one of those weird, fluky games where a guy like Jeff Green has a really good game. And then they just don't perform the way they should. Uh, that's just a game that even the top teams in the league are going to lose at some point. Uh, but other than that, they've been playing very well. 7-2, and two, even after that loss, still the first uh, team in the Eastern Conference. They're 10th in points per game, 8th in rebounding, 7 in assists. Like They've just been playing very well overall. Uh, and the thing that has stood out most is them on the defensive side of the ball. Now, this obviously made sense that they're a really good defensive team. Uh, because they just have the personnel to be a great defensive team. Uh, but even it, even in a year like last year where you expect them to be such a good defensive team, they were a very good one, but they maybe ha- weren't as good as you wanted them to be. Uh, they've just completely unlocked that potential. As Ben Simmons is looking like a defensive player of the year candidate. I mean, he's just absolutely everywhere on that side of the ball. He's a guy who can truly guard one through five. He puts in so much effort on that side of the ball. He uses all his length and his athleticism to his advantage. And it's just been playing so well on that side of the ball. And then on offense, he really hasn't been doing that much that stands out. It's kind of just typical Ben Simmons. He's been uh, pretty unaggressive for how you'd want him to be. Uh, he's averaging 13.4 points, but still doing the th- uh, his typical thing of getting rebounds, pushing the pace, and then being a good uh, facilitator, averaging seven assists. So even though his statistics aren't the greatest, I'm not going to call this season so far a disappointment from him. It's kind of just what I've expected. But the guy who's stood out the most to me it has to be Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid has been absolutely phenomenal this season. Even with a poor game last night, he would still be my MVP and my defensive player of the year front runner. Uh, he's been averaging 24.6 points on 52.5% from the field, a career high, and then 45.8% from three, which obviously won't keep up. That's something that definitely won't keep up and isn't sustainable is his three-point shooting ability because he's been an average to below average shooter throughout his entire career so far. So I don't expect this to just be the year that he is randomly a really, really good three-point shooter. Uh, but that has been something nice to see. And he's not taking too many attempts either. He's only shooting uh, three a game, which I always love to see. That's actually a career low. So if he can shoot a career low attempt and shoot a career high in percentage, I think that'd be a perfect uh, season for him. Getting to the free throw line, as he always does, nine per game, and then converting very well, 83.3%, uh, getting 11.8 rebounds, and then just being amazing on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, with his length, his athleticism, and just his pure strength like he's one of the strongest players in the league and he he's a monster while attacking the basket even when he's not getting a a block shots I mean he's only averaging 1.8 blocks per game uh even 
when he's not blocking a shot, he just just so good of affecting people's shots and really makes every shot at the basket challenging. And then if he has another post big on him, he's going to exhaust them with how strong he is. Like if if a guy like uh say if a guy like Nikola Vucevic was playing uh against Joel Embiid, even though he's a very good player, it's going to be hard for him to score on Joel Embiid cuz he's Joel Embiid is just such a freak of nature and is so damn strong. Uh a guy like Seth Curry has been absolutely awesome for this roster. I expect him to slow down because, I mean, what he's doing right now is just ridiculous. I saw a stat where he has, like, almost 80% true shooting. He's averaging 17 points per game. And, again, I expect that to slow down. But he's, I still expect him to be just such a good player for this team. And I love that trade so much for both sides, but especially for the Sixers. Getting a player like Seth Curry, who is literally the prototype of a player you want next to Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. He can run those handoffs with uh, Joel Embiid, and then he can be a player that Ben Simmons frequently hits, and he's been that exactly. Again, shooting stuff is going to slow down. It's just inevitable. You're not going to shoot 59.5% from three in a season, no matter how good of a shooter you are. But he's still going to play that role, and it's still going to be really good for them. Shake Milton has been awesome off the bench. Uh, and he's someone who I was pretty high on to be like a six-man-of-the-year type of guy for them, averaging 14.1 points. And he isn't even shooting the three-ball well, which is really his claim to fame last year with him shooting 43%. He's only shooting 27.5%, but he just brings that energy and brings that spark off the bench that is needed for them. I do think they are a piece away from being true contenders, like the way they look right now. I still think they could use a combo forward off the bench who could bring some scoring and bring some playmaking as well. I'm not even saying they should trade for this player exactly but the mold of player like a will barton type of player just someone who could come off their bench and bring a little spark i don't think they need to make another uh, star move and honestly i do think the philadelphia 76ers can keep this up and be one of the best teams in the eastern conference they've just been so so good this year and have showed me all the right signs doc rivers has been a good coach for them so i think they can keep this up Next team I want to talk about and see if they can keep this up is the New York Knicks. They've been one of the NBA's biggest surprises with them being 5-3 and three at this point. And it's not even like they've done anything too special on the offensive side of the ball. They are a team that is 28th in points uh, scored per game at only 104.4. But they are 3rd on the defensive side of the ball, which is where they've really impressed and they've really held their hat on. And that's what you'd expect out of a Tom Thibodeau coach team. He's... Uh, doing all the philosophies that he's always done, and they're working well. Mitchell Robinson has been a player who hasn't been like a standout player this season, but it's just doing typical Mitchell Robinson stuff where he's averaging almost two blocks per game. Is just such a good presence around the rim. Great lob target as well. Uh, I'd definitely like to see him get a little more involved in offense, but he's still having a good season. R.J. Barrett has been pretty solid, even though he's been inconsistent and has been inefficient at times. He's had some very good games. Uh, just definitely got to get a shot going. He's shoot, only shooting 21.6% uh, from three, but is a good wing defender as well. Another guy who just fits into the philosophies uh, that T Tom Thibodeau would want. He's playing 38.1 minutes per game. Another very Tom Thibodeau-esque. Uh, thing and then the biggest standout on this team absolutely just has to be Julius Randle. Julius Randle has been ridiculous so far this season, and this is the thing that gives me the least confidence in the New York Knicks that this will keep up because Julius Randle has been an all star caliber player, 
MVP candidate caliber player. Like, he's been ridiculous so far. And sadly, I just don't think this can keep up. I mean, he's averaging 23.1 points, 12 rebounds, and 7.4 assists. Is averaging 4.9 turnovers. But when uh, Julius Randle's a, a high-usage player and playmaking the way he is this season, because this is the most he's ever been asked to playmake, that's just what you expect out of him. But if he can continue to just barrel the way uh, his way to the basket the way he does and then just do typical Julius Randle things play more like he did on the Pelicans I still think he can be a very good player and a plus player so I do expect that to slow down a little bit but for him to still be a good player and I like the way their guards have been performing especially Austin Rivers Austin Rivers has been really nice for them so far he really closed out their most recent game um and just performed excellent in that fourth quarter. Emmanuel quickly has been a really fun rookie for me to watch. He's just a guy who uh, is pretty well-rounded on the offensive side of the ball. Good shooter. And also a guy who can create his own shot off the dribble a little bit. Alfred Payne has been kind of that like Swiss, Swiss, uh, Swiss army knife for them. Uh, who just uh, is a playmaker, rebounds well, uh, pretty solid on the defensive side of the ball, and has actually been really good on offense as well, averaging 14.6 points per game, which is another thing I do expect to slow down. I mean, he's not shooting 37.5% from three. We know who Alfred Payton is. And he has had games where he's taken much more shots than I'd want him to, but he's still overall been performing good at this point in the season. Uh, and honestly... I expect the Knicks to take a step back for sure, but I do think they can actually be a solid team in this Eastern Conference. I think they could be a team that is in the playing tournament because I just love what I've seen from Tom Thibodeau as a coach uh, because he's a guy who just wants to win at any cost. Like He's not going to be a player who plays the younger guys because the front office wants him to. He's going to go by his philosophies by any means possible. He is going to play the players who help him win. If he needs to put out a lineup that includes Julius Randle, Alec Burks, uh, Alfred Payton, Austin Rivers, like if if he needs to do that at the end of the game, he's going to do it. He doesn't care that R.J. Barrett was the third pick and is a guy who uh, should be their franchise player, at least for now. He doesn't care that Obi Toppin was eighth pick and that he's a super exciting player. He doesn't care that they want players like Dennis Smith Jr. Uh, and Frank Nielkina to be good for them. He's just going to play who helps them win basketball games. So I do think they can genuinely be a solid team uh, around a 500, probably slightly below 500 team. And that can help That can help you get a playoff spot in the Eastern Conference. So while I don't think they can keep up a 5-3 and three record with being the fifth seed, I do still think the New York Knicks can be a solid team. Next team I want to talk about, and if they can keep it up, is the Cleveland Cavaliers. They've been surprising me a lot this season. Uh, I actually thought they would be maybe potentially the worst team in the NBA, and they've looked like a playoff-level team. They're eighth in the Eastern Conference currently, and have some guys who've just been playing excellent at this point in the season. I got to give a ton of love to Colin Sexton, because he was someone who I had a lot of mixed feelings on. I clearly saw the talent that was there and saw the potential that was there, but I just thought at this point in his career he was an empty stats guy 
but he's proven to not be. He's helping the Cleveland Cavaliers win basketball games and has been one of the best offensive players in the league. He's averaging 25 points on just absolutely ridiculous efficiency, shooting 53.1% in the field, 51.6% from three. Does such a good job of getting to his spots in the mid-range. Uh, he's a good finisher at the basket. He's got to the free throw line 4.4 times a game. Still isn't the playmaker I'd want him to be, but his backcourt mate and Darius Garland has been the playmaker uh, that they need, and he's been playing very well as well. If you know me, I've been uh, just historically pretty high on Darius Garland uh, because he was a player who I feel like just deserved more patience from Ca not only Cavaliers fans, but from the NBA fan base as a whole. I feel like so many people were ready to give up on Darius Garland after a bad rookie season when they didn't consider any of the variables. First of all, he didn't even have the like worst rookie season ever. I mean, he still averaged 12.3 points on 40% of the field, 35.5% from three, 87.5% from the line, and almost four assists a game. Like That isn't terrible. And people didn't consider that this dude literally didn't play basketball since high school, really. I mean, he played a couple college games, but basically transitioning from the High school, the, uh, the NBA is a big, big challenge. So even him having a fine rookie season should be an accomplishment in his own. And now uh, getting used to the NBA, having an offseason and where he had a pretty long offseason because, I mean, they didn't make the playoffs. So he had a ton of time to work on his game. And he's been awesome this season, averaging 17.2 points, shooting the three ball so well, almost 47 percent. Uh, been a really good playmaker too, 6.3 assists, which is something I didn't really know what to expect out of his playmaking because he is someone who I just always thought would be more of a scorer. But if he can balance the scoring and the playmaking uh, in a, like Damian Lillard type of way, like they've been compared to Dame and CJ before as a duo and obviously I don't think they'll reach the heights that that duo did uh, but I still think they could be in that mold and he can be more the playmaker and then Colin Saxon could be uh, the scorer for this roster and they have guys who haven't even played yet who I love Kevin Porter Jr. I think Kevin Porter Jr. has ridiculous potential for this roster and he hasn't played this season uh, last year he was pretty solid average 10 points as a rookie and I think he could have a breakout season for them so them missing a guy like Kevin Porter Jr. I think really shows the extents of uh, this roster actually being somewhat legit. And obviously guys like Colin Sexton are going to slow down because, I mean, he's averaging 25 points per game on some of the most ridiculous efficiency I've seen. But I still think it can be a solid roster, especially when guys like Kevin Porter Jr. and Isaac Kokoro are healthy because Isaac Kokoro has been injured. And even if Isaac is rough on the offensive side of the ball, he's immediately one of the best wing defenders in the league, which is just incredible out of a rookie because it's so hard to transition to the NBA and be a plus defender. But in the four games he played, he already showed to be an elite defender a guy like Larry Nance Jr. who I've always thought was one of the best role players in the league uh is been really good for them as well Andre Drummond has his moments like that play last game where he had those handles and then did that weird layup was just it was hilarious if if anybody hasn't seen that play you need to see it it's just one of the worst plays I've ever seen but he's still a good rebounder and he's been pretty solid on defense as well and they've been one of the best defensive teams in the league they're second in offensive uh in opponents points per game with only 103.3 points per game so even if they're somewhat struggling on offense well not even somewhat they're 29th on offense and they're a net negative team at this point um 
I still think they could be around a 500 squad, uh, be in the same lane of the New York Knicks. These teams both kind of remind me of each other where uh, the Knicks are more of a team that is playing some more veterans as well and then uh, has young players who uh, they're hoping that can be good. But the Cleveland Cavaliers have just solid young players who are already proven to be good players right now and then have some nice vets in the mix. So I think the Cleveland Cavaliers can keep this up again i don't expect them to be like a, a solidified playoff team but if they're in the range of a bulls of a knicks of being around that play-in spot again i think that's a massive success of a season and i think they can do it they've been really really impressing me so far next team i want to talk about and if they can keep it up this is the first negative one and it is the washington wizards with them being two and six and 13th in the Eastern Conference at this point, they've really struggled. They've been one of the most explosive and electric offenses in, in the entire league, with them being second in points per game at 120.8 points and second in assist at 20.8 per game. But when you are last in defense and giving up 122.9 points per game, that isn't a very good recipe for success. Bradley Beal has been absolutely awesome, and we all saw his big 60-point game. I mean, Bradley Beal is just one of the best scorers in the league. He can do it from all levels of the game. has such a smooth game. Uh, pretty solid playmaker as well. Like He is just such an amazing player for this roster. He's averaging 34 points, uh, a little bit inflated due to a 60-point game, but he's still been awesome for the rest of the season uh, and is the leader in points per game scored right now. So definitely can't blame this on him, even though some of the defensive struggles you could say, but he has such a heavy load on the offensive side of the ball, and he's never been that good of a defender anyway. Like Even when he was less... Uh, when he was asked to do less on offense and when he was like the best he's ever been on defense, he was still a pretty uh, average defender. Russ has been a player who's been pretty inefficient so far. He's doing his triple-double thing, but honestly, I just don't really care about that. I'd much rather have him do what he did in Houston than average the triple-double. Like Houston Russ, especially in like February, he was phenomenal, and I feel like he could do that with this roster because he has another guy alongside him, one of the best shooting guards of the league in Bradley Beal, and then has a ton of spacing, but he just hasn't really done that at this point. I think we need to see a lot more where it's just like five out. You got players like Bradley Beal, Davis Bertans, uh, Thomas Bryan, and Russell Westbrook. And even though that is a that is a disaster on the defensive side of the ball, you're going to put up a lot of points and you're going to maximize Russ. But he's been shooting way too many threes per game at 4.7. And we all know he's just not a good three-point shooter uh, with him shooting 28.6%. Not getting to the line as much as I'd want him to either. Only getting to the line 5.5 times per game. He's averaging five turnovers, but that's not really a surprise, especially when he's averaging 11.8 assists. It does kind of cancel out, even though he can have some just cringeworthy and terrible turnovers. Uh, I definitely don't think this is his fault. Like, he's part of the problem, but he's not the problem by any means. The problem is that this team is atrocious on defense because even players that I like, it, in the last episode, I talked very highly of Thomas Bryan. I think he's one of the most underrated offensive and uh, shooting bigs in the entire league. He's averaging 17 points on 45% from the field. 45% uh, from three, I mean. He's a great mid-range shooter, really good interior finisher. He's atrocious on the defense side of the ball. Russell Westbrook is average to below average. Bradley Beal, below average. Uh, Rui Hachimura, average. Denny Avdia is a rookie, and even though he has some good moments on the defense side of the ball, and he's really smart on that side of the ball, it still is a learning curve with him being 
uh, a rookie player. And if you're asking a guy like Isaac Bonga to be one of your best wing defenders, then you're in trouble. Because uh, guys off their bench who even don't get that many minutes, like uh, Mo Wagner, terrible defender. Davis Bertans, uh, bad defender. Uh, Robin Lopez is probably one of their only plus defenders, which is just terrifying because he's a backup center at best. Uh, this roster definitely has some very bad internal problems, but I don't think they're going to keep this bad up. I think they'll be somewhat better on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, I still think they're going to be one of the worst in the league, but I think their offense at the end of the day can still win them some games. Um, I think they'll still be a team that is fighting for a playoff spot. But I do think a lot of these problems will keep up, and they're probably not going to be as good as I expect them to be. Because if you know me, I talked very highly of them as a regular season team. Now, in any playoff series, I thought they were going to get thrashed because of of how bad they were on defense. But uh, it's led to them being a very bad regular season team as well so far. But I don't think this is going to keep up. I think they'll start to somewhat turn things around, even if they're still a terrible defense. And yeah. On to the next team is the Toronto Raptors. They've been a very disappointing team so far, with them being 1-6. and six. And if you know me, I was not even speaking very highly of this Toronto Raptors team. I feel like a lot of Raptors fans ignored some of the problems that were going to be with this roster. I felt like a lot of Raptors fans uh, underrated the losses that they had in a guy like Serge Ibaka especially. I mean, Marcus Hall was a big loss as well, but Serge Ibaka has been such a big loss for them, and the thing that has hurt them the most, even though Pascal has been pretty bad as well, uh, the thing that has hurt them the most is that big man rotation. The big man rotation has looked absolutely atrocious. Uh, Aaron Baines is a player who I do like. I like his ability to stretch the floor. I like his ability to set hard screens, but he just hasn't been that good this season, and he's a player who you, you always have wanted off the bench like off the Celtics bench he was a nice player uh, uh for the Suns he was a nice player when he was off the bench when he was starting he had some really hot moments where he was shooting very well from three uh but that's something that definitely cooled down and with the Raptors so far he's shooting 37.8 percent uh from three from the field 18.8 percent from three and this may just be a product product of age as well you have to consider this dude is 34 years old and has been is a player who's never been that great anyway. So he could be a player that pretty quickly falls out of the league. And yeah, he just has looked pretty rough so far this year. Uh, Chris Boucher has been a, a bit of a bright spot off their bench and has been probably their best big man so far. And I do like Chris Boucher as a player. He's averaging 12.1 points, 5.4 rebounds. Uh, he's shooting the three ball very well at 38%, shooting the ball pretty well overall at 53.6%. Gets to the free throw line at a good rate, is a good lob uh, target, and he's been a nice player for this roster. But I just wouldn't be confident with him being a starting center. I think he's an awesome player to have off their bench. And that's what he was last year as well, was a really nice player to just come in and bring some energy minutes. And he's definitely taken a leap this year. He's improved. Uh, but he's another player who I just wouldn't be confident with being a starting uh, center on my roster because I feel like he's just too small uh, and he would get kind of bullied on the defense side of the ball, especially if you if you think about, uh, I don't even know if they're going to make the playoffs at this point, but if they were to make the playoffs, say, and say they had a series against the, say they had a series against the 76ers, that is terrifying. Them trying to defend Joel Embiid for seven games, especially with the play 
way he's playing this year. Uh, and then you got a guy like Alex Len, who I just don't think is a good basketball player. Uh, so that's been definitely the biggest thing that has hurt them. And then uh, their guy who's supposed to be their number one guy, Pascal Siakam, simply hasn't been playing the way he should. Now, he did have a very good game against the Phoenix Suns where he scored 32 points on very good efficiency, was just doing his thing. Uh, but the thing that scares me even more is in Pascal's best game where they didn't have many uh, many major injuries guys like uh, Fred Van Vliet guys like Kyle Lowry both performed well they still lost that game and I think that just shows this team simply lacks a lot of talent that other teams have like the Phoenix Suns are a more talented roster and even if Toronto is better coached uh, which I don't even think that's like a huge margin margin because Monty Williams is a very good coach uh, like Toronto has one of the best coaches in the league but Coaching can only get you so far. Coaching can only get you to a certain point. And uh, at a certain point, talent is just going to uh, win. And this team just doesn't have the top-end talent. They don't have the top-end scoring. Even if I love Kyle Lowry, I think Kyle Lowry has been a player who's been underrated consistently, is one of the best leaders in the league, is one of the best uh, playmakers, is a great defender as well at the point guard position. Kyle Lowry is awesome. He's a player who I think the Raptors should trade at some point this season, especially especially if they lose tonight. If they lose against the Sacramento Kings tonight and they're starting off as bad as they have, uh, I think it's time to move on from a guy like Kyle Lowry, especially because his contract will be up. And he's going to be a player that I feel like will be a hot commodity for a co- hot commodity for a lot of teams because he's such a good player who has consistently shown that he helps winning basketball a team like the Clippers I don't really know if the assets are there because unless they really like Luke Kennard they don't really have the picks but just a team like that could really use a guy like Kyle Lowry and that could really be a massive difference maker so I think teams will be lining up at the deadline for a guy like Kyle Lowry. So I think it definitely would be something that they should look at moving on from Kyle. And I could understand you wanting to be loyal to him because he's been so good for you for so many years. Uh, but I do think it's time to move on from him and just try and build around your young guys like Pascal. Uh, even though he's been struggling, you I don't really think you're going to be able to trade him. But you should build around a guy like Fred Van Vliet, who's been solid this year. OG Ananobi, I never expect to take a big leap on offense because he's just one of those players who really isn't super aggressive. Uh, I do expect him to just be one of the best 3-and-D wings throughout his entire career. So he's a nice player to have. Uh, And in a very good 2021 class where you can get some true studs, I think it does make sense for them to honestly just... Uh, try and lose this year because they haven't been trying to lose and they've been losing a lot so even though they've been a team that's done such a good job of retooling in their history instead of rebuilding uh, i think this may finally be the time to rebuild for this roster and while i don't think them being like the worst team in the league will keep up them being a team that could be out of the playoffs with how these other teams are performing i honestly do think that can keep up Now going on to the Western Conference, first starting off with the Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix Suns are 6-2 with the best record in the uh, the Western Conference so far. And they've just been playing some very good basketball all around. Like, no one has really stood out that much and been playing out of their mind. 
And that's why uh, I do expect this to keep up for the Phoenix Suns. All these guys are just playing how I expect them to play. Chris Paul is only averaging 13.3 points per game. But his impact is still crazy. You can see with this team, even when they had such a great facilitator in Ricky Rubio last year, still, the ball just moves way better than it did last year. The ball is never sticking. The ball movement is so fluid. And then Chris Paul is a guy who you are still confident in closing games. And that's what he's done for them multiple times. He's hit big shots for them but most of the game he's just been passive he's been facilitating getting to the mid-range occasionally getting uh, to his three-point spots occasionally but for the most part has been a player who's just focused on getting other guys involved and he's been such a good mentor for this team like you can just tell without even like hearing these guys talk in interviews and they all have spoken so highly of that highly of him but you can just tell everybody's playing better with Chris Paul and he's just orchestrating everyone so well telling everyone where to be and this team runs so fluidly with him at the helm and especially with Monty Williams as a coach who already has a relationship with Chris Paul it just works so perfectly and then you got your main guy Devin Booker who hasn't even been great this year he is just been solid has been averaging uh, 21 and a half points on 48.8 percent of the field about 35% from three, is struggling to hit his free throws and is not getting to the line as much as he usually does, only getting 4.6 assists per game. Like, he's having a down year at this point, and the team is still looking this good. This is, again, why I think this can keep up. Now, do I think they're going to be the best record in the Western Conference? No. But do I think they could be a team that's in the top three range? Yes, this team is dangerous with so many good players on it. Another player who's been disappointing to his... Uh, the standards that I set him to is DeAndre Ayton. He's only been averaging 13.4 points and 11.4 rebounds. I think he has a whole nother level to his game that he can unlock. And, I mean, we saw that last year. He averaged 18.2 points, and he even averaged more in his rookie season than he's averaging right now. So, again, that's just why I think this can keep up because they're just playing very well-rounded basketball as a whole. And their defense is the best in the league. They are allowing opponents to only score 100.2.4 uh, points per game. That's awesome. They've been facilitating so well, like I said, ninth in assists. Uh, and they just have so many nice role players on this team. Like uh, a guy like uh, Dario Sarge, nice, smart player, good facilitator, solid scorer as well. Cam Johnson, one of the better uh shooting young wings in the league mikhail bridges is an elite defender and should be on an all defense team this year in my opinion i think he's that good on that side of the ball and is improving on offense as well he's shooting 45.8 percent from three on six attempts per game he's truly emerging to being one of the best three and d wings in the league and he gets no recognition for it jay crowder is an awesome veteran to have on this team uh, and he's just been solid for them at this point. He's been shooting the three ball very, very well, shooting around 40% from three, uh, continuing what he was doing in Miami, and then playing the good defense that he does, just being that gritty veteran. They have so many good vets on this roster with a mix of young players. They got players like Javon Carter off their, their bench, Langston Galloway. Like I just love the construction of this roster. I love their coach, and I think they are a true threat in the western conference like this is one of the best teams in the western conference and this is what they've been doing so far they've proved why they're one of the best teams six and two and i do think this can keep up with them being a top three to four team in this conference 
Next game I want to talk about is the Denver Nuggets, and this is not in a positive way at all for if it can keep up. They are 3-5 and five at this point, which is definitely a very, very big disappointment for this roster considering uh, they made the Western Conference Finals last year. I think just unanimously, we all had pretty high expectations for this roster, and they've been uh, disappointing so far. They had an awesome game against the Dallas Mavericks last night that I unfortunately wasn't able to catch, but I did w- uh, rewatch it today, and it was just absolutely incredible. I mean, Jokic hit the big shot. We we really start ha- uh, we really have to start giving Jokic credit for being one of the most clutch players in the league. Like he's consistently been up there in game winner game winners hip. Uh, per year like he's such a clutch clutch player dude just has ice in his veins and he's been absolutely amazing this season he's averaging 25.9 points 11.6 rebounds and 10.9 assists he's been ridiculous so far and it's not even like he's doing it on poor efficiency by any means he's doing it on ridiculous efficiency he's shooting 57.6% from the field and 44% from three. He's been phenomenal so far and he's looked like an MVP candidate, which is the scary part about this roster is that Jokic has looked so good. He's looking like the best Jokic we've ever seen and they're still struggling to win games against a team like the Mavericks, who I love. I'm super high on the Mavericks, but they've been a team that struggled a little bit early on in the season as well, and it was a game that I expected to be very, very close, and I actually thought the Mavericks would win, uh, but they got to win these type of games. And then another thing that worries me, Jamal Murray, another guy who isn't even performing bad by any means, is performing to about my expectations, averaging 22 points, shooting the three ball very, very well, 7.1 per game, and shooting 38%, about four assists, four rebounds. Like He's performing to the level I expected Jamal Murray too. So they're, it's not like their two stars have either been injured or are underperforming. Both of those guys are playing very, very well. But their role players have been struggling quite a lot. A guy like Gary Harris cannot hit a three-point shot to save his life. And as much as he is very good on the defensive side of the ball, is a good guy who has really good uh, chemistry with Jokic. Uh, he gets hit on those backdoor cuts quite a lot. Uh, he just can't hit a three-point shot to save his life. And that's definitely hurt them quite a lot. Uh, and then their defense just hasn't been good at all this year. Like, they're the fourth offense, and then they're the 23rd defense. They, they're they allowing literally the exact amount of points that they're scoring. So that's just a recipe to be an average team. And then the Michael Porter Jr. being out uh, for an extended period of time now due to health protocols have hurt them a lot. Because Michael Porter Jr. was awesome early in the season. In four games, he averaged 19.5 points. Uh, on 56.6% from uh, the field and 42.3% from three. And is he still uh, kind of a mess on the defense side of the ball? Yes, but he's so talented on offense that he's still a plus player. And even if I like role players like a Jamichael Green, I think Jamichael Green was such an underrated pickup, and he's been playing awesome for them so far. In only 19 minutes per game, he's averaging 12.3 points on 52.6% uh, from three and 54.8% from the field. I think he's one of the most underrated role players in the league. Uh, 
Uh, and then Paul Millsap, another just good veteran to have on your team, good three-point shooter, uh, good defender as well, especially just fundamentally. He's a super smart fundamental defender. But you're missing a lot what you had with Jeremy Grant. Even if you have nice players like a Jamichael Green and Paul Millsap, those players are not super athletic. And you're missing the athleticism and the defensive versatility that Jeremy Grant brought to your team. And it's been so clear that they're missing out on that because you need a guy who can stop these wings because in the Western Conference especially, you have to consider there's so many good guards and wings that they just don't really have the guys to guard. They don't have the guys to guard a Luka Doncic, a LeBron James, a Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. Like there are a lot of talented wings in this conference. Even guards like Chris Paul or Devin Booker, like when they face a team like the Suns, you can't really guard those two players. And it's a big issue for this roster is them on the defensive side of the ball. They just don't have that athleticism and versatility because even their best defenders, like a guy like Gary Harris, is small and can't really guard many positions due to him being only 6'4 and 210 pounds and then a guy like will barton is skinny as hell with him being 6'6 and 181 pounds even if he's a solid defender he's been disappointing this season and he's just not that versatile on that side of the ball so i don't think them being the 12th team in the western conference will keep up but i do think a lot of these issues that have plagued them so far this season can uh, continue to proceed to happen and they could be a team that is disappointing but I still think they're going to be an upper echelon playoff team do not get me wrong I do think they'll turn things around and I do not think this will keep up now getting into some players and asking if uh, their performance so far in the season will keep up first starting off with Jalen Brown of my favorite team the Boston Celtics he has been just ridiculous so far in the season averaging 26.2 points 5.4 rebounds and 3.3 assists on some of just the best efficiency I've ever seen he's shooting 54.7 percent from the field 41.2 percent from three uh, is still only shooting around 73% from the line. That's something he's just not too good at. And has been one of the best, if not the best, mid-range shooter in the entire league. And that's the thing that has stood out the most to me about Jalen Brown's game. He was obviously awesome last season as well. Him averaging 20 points on very good efficiency as well. He was a very, very good player who was a fringe all-star type of guy. But this season, he's truly taken the next leap to not only being an all-star, but being an all-NBA caliber guy. And it's his ability to get to the mid-range and to get to his spots that has stood out the most. His handle is so much better than I ever thought it would be, to be honest. Like, his handle was always something that held back his game a lot. And it improved a ton in the 2020 season, but it's just risen to a whole nother level this season. Like, he is so good at getting guys off balance and then getting to his spots in the mid-range area and uh, getting uh, threes off as well. Like, he's been amazing at doing that this season. His vision has improved as well. His playmaking is better with him averaging 3.3 assists. And now he draws so much more attention as well that it just opens up the floor for everybody else. And when you have a duo like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum who are both averaging around 26 points per game, that's hard as hell to defend. And honestly, I think Jalen Brown can keep similar production up. Now, I do think it will go down a little bit to maybe around 24.5 points per game, which is still awesome, especially when Kemba comes back. But I feel like a lot of people are 
underestimating how long it'll take for Kemba to get back because I think just specifically for precautionary reasons, Kemba will be out for a majority of the season, especially uh, in a shortened season where the Celtics are probably going to be one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference, even without him. They just want him by playoff time. Obviously, they want to get him reacclimated to the offense before playoff time, uh, but I think he's going to miss most of the season, and that obviously causes Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum to have a lot more responsibility. Now, I think uh, Jason Tatum will... Uh, take the leap to showing that he's truly by far and away the best player on this team. But Jalen Brown will be a close second and will continue to put up excellent production because it's, it's not like some fluky hot start where he is just hitting shots that he normally wouldn't be. He is doing so good at getting to the mid-range. He's still getting to the basket very well, defending very well. Like He's doing typical Jalen Brown stuff, just enhanced to a whole level whole nother level and you can see he's clearly improved his game again it's just it's not a hot start and I think Jalen Brown can keep up similar production now going on to my next player I want to talk about if they can keep this up and it is Jeremy Grant of the Detroit Pistons he's been off to a very hot start this season averaging 24 points per game which I do not think anybody could have expected even people who like Jeremy Grant quite a lot just like myself I think Jeremy Grant is a very very good player never could have expected him to average 24 points per game now obviously he's in an expanded role for the Detroit Pistons I think everybody expected his points per game to go up pretty significantly I expected it to be more around 18 points per game but he's just been doing such a good job of staying somewhat efficient while having way more responsibility than I thought he could ever handle to be honest he's getting to the line better than he ever has 5.1 times per game and is shooting 90 percent he has showed off a much better ability than I expected to handle the ball created uh, shots for himself and getting to his spots in the mid-range he's been shooting the three ball way more than I would have ever expected 7.6 times per game and he's not shooting a great percent but still around 35 percent on that volume honestly isn't too bad especially considering a lot of these are off the dribble and then he's still doing the typical Jeremy Grant stuff which is being a super athletic guy who gets out in transition he's one of the best transition players in the league uh, he's a really good defender as well who honestly I'm surprised he's continued to be a as good of a defender as he is with this increased offensive role because I expected his numbers to be inflated and then him to play worse defense, but he's honestly played very good defense. And I don't think that these numbers can keep up if I'm being honest. I do love Jeremy Gray, and I think he's one of the best role players in the league. And again, a role player. A role player doesn't average 24 points per game. And I do think his numbers actually can stay pretty high, maybe around 21 points per game. But these numbers are going to be empty at the end of the day. And I think at some point he will get traded from this roster for a lot of value because he's a very valuable player. And I'll go back to more typical Jeremy Grant stuff. Even if he's doing more than he did in Denver, it's going to be more around like 15 to 16 points per game, which I think is the true Jeremy Grant. So unfortunately, I don't think these can keep up, but I do think he can still put up pretty good but inflated numbers and then at some point he'll get traded to a team where he puts up more realistic numbers uh, but he's still a really good player I've still enjoyed to see the growth in his game this is not taking any way anything away from him and it has been really surprising to see how good he's been doing I just personally don't think this could keep up next 
uh, person I want to talk about is Devontae Graham. And this is not in a positive way of keeping up. He has been honestly pretty terrible to start the season so far. He was someone who took a big, big leap last year, uh, surprised everyone with being a most improved player candidate. He was averaging 18.2 points per game on 37% from three. But at this point in the season, he's only averaging 10.4 points. And his job looks... Uh, pretty, pretty rough right now because Lamella Ball is coming up behind him and is ready to take that job any moment now. Now, the thing about Devontae Graham's game that even in his season last year is that he's never been uh, an efficient player outside of his three-point shooting. His game is pretty one-dimensional on the offense side of the ball with him being mostly a pick-and-roll player who is a high-volume three-point shooter and then a good playmaker. He is one of the worst finishers in the league. It's just absolutely atrocious at finishing. No mid-range game, no floater game, and that has hurt his efficiency a lot this this year I mean it's it's not going to be as bad as it is right now like last year he shot 38 percent I expect him to be more around that and even that that isn't a good percentage at all uh, he's, but he's shooting 26 percent right now which is just absolutely unacceptable and atrocious and it's hurt by him not shooting the three ball which is the main part of his game and the part of his game that stands out the most he's not shooting the three ball well at all he's shooting 31.7 percent which is not near the 37.3 that he did last year not getting he's not getting to the line as much he's got to the line half as many times and is shooting a worse percentage he's averaging less assist uh, is averaging two less turnovers as well which is a nice thing to see he's done a really good job of limiting that uh, but unfortunately I do think similar production can keep up I don't think he's gonna uh, shoot 26% from the field in an entire season because that would just be uh, just historically terrible numbers uh, from a guy like him but I unfortunately do think some of last season was a bit fluky, and I also do think that a lot of the uh, people in the league have just figured out his game because, like I said, it is a pretty one-dimensional game. And if you force him to try and do other things except for be a high-volume three-point shooter, if you force him to attack the basket and force him to go to the mid-range area, he's kind of nothing. And he must improve on that next season if he wants to be a player who is a starter for a long time in this league and is a, a truly elite player. He's got to improve on that, and unfortunately, I think these numbers are going to somewhat hold up, especially because I think LaMelo Ball will be taking his job sooner rather than later. Next person I want to ask if they can keep it up is Victor Oladipo. Victor Oladipo is looking back like his all-star self. Now, he's not necessarily looking like his uh, MIP self because – it, Victor Aldipo's most improved player season was just absolutely ridiculous. Like, if you look at his numbers in his most improved uh, season, he was averaging 23.1 points, was shooting the three ball 37.1%, was one of the best wing defenders in the league in 2.4 steals per game. Like, he was just excellent that season, was an all-NBA player. But he's definitely looking back to being an all-star level player, which is is definitely acceptable out of him, especially with all the injuries that he's dealt with, all that he's went through. That quad injury was so, so bad for him. But now he's just looking like the Victor Oladipo that we saw in like the 2019 season. But it's looking even better than that, to be honest. He's averaging 20.4 points on... Uh, 44.1% from the field, 41.2% from three, which has been great to see. He's done such a good job of getting to his spots in 
uh, from three-point range, shooting 7.3 per game. He's been a killer in the pick and roll especially. I love his ability in the pick and roll because you have, especially when he's doing it with a guy like DeMontis Sabonis, that's really tough to defend because if Victor's shooting the three ball like he is and shooting the mid-range like he is because he's done a really good job of getting to to his mid-range shots as well. And then you got such a dynamic offensive player like Sabonis. That is almost impossible to guard and he's taken full advantage of that he's still playing the very good wing defense that he does averaging 1.1 steals and just doing what he does on that side of the ball which he's always been solid even back in Orlando and back in OKC he's always just been a very good uh, wing defender Uh, he's attacking the basket with confidence getting to the free throw line at a career high 4.7 times per game would like to see him convert a little bit of a higher percentage but Still got to be happy with the amount of times he is getting to the line per game. And honestly, he's just been playing overall very, very well. And he's looked back like himself. He's looked back like the max contract player that we all knew Victor Aldipo could be. We all knew it was inside of there, but we just didn't see it unlocked when he was having those injury issues. He just didn't look like the same guy. And honestly, I was very, very worried, especially uh, in the bubble. He's played terrible. Uh, and he had some games at the preseason as well where he didn't look good. But he's looking back to Victor Aldipo. And I completely think this can keep up because this is just him returning to what we all knew he could be. And we just didn't know if he was going to be that. But he's looking everything like Victor Aldipo because it's not just a hot start. It's not just hot shooting. It's him getting to his spots very well. Him looking as athletic as ever and looking very quick. Uh, I think Victor Aldipo is back and here to stay as an all-star level player in this league. And I think this can absolutely keep up. Next person I want to talk about is Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell has been struggling to start the 2021 NBA season. He's been very, very inefficient so far. Has uh, been better in recent games, which has helped his efficiency. But still, at this point in the season, he's only averaging 20.1 points on 37.9% from the field. 32.4% from three. Uh, is getting five assists per game, which is nice, but it's definitely been a very weird start to the season for him. And him and the Jazz have just been uh, a solid team so far. Nothing special, nothing too bad either. They've just been kind of what you'd expect, a middle-of-the-road type of team. But I think they could be a lot better if Donovan Mitchell uh, started performing better because a guy like Mike Conley has been really good this season and is looking more like the Mike Conley we would have expected. Looking more, He's looking like bubble Mike Conley. So that has been nice. And then Rudy Gobert is just doing typical Rudy Gobert stuff. Joe Ingles has been nice for them. Uh, uh, Bojan Bogdanovic has definitely been a little bit of a disappointment as well for this team. But Donovan Mitchell overall has just been struggling a lot. I feel like he's settling uh, quite a lot. I mean, he's shooting 9.3 threes per game. And he's never been that good of a three-point shooter. Like, he's never been a bad one either. But he's just been uh, middle of the pack around average throughout his career. So him shooting 9.3 a game is definitely not what I'd want him to do because I feel like his best ability is to use his athleticism to attack the basket. And then when he uh, has the threat of attacking the basket, he's so good at just stopping on on a dime and then pulling up for mid-range. Like That's where Donovan Mitchell is at his best at. And then that unlocks his playmaking game as well, which is something I've always wanted to see him take a step in. And he's definitely taken somewhat of a step this year. But I also think this is a lot of a product of... 
the Jazz just not having much shot creation because even with a guy like uh, Mike Conley playing pretty solid so far at this point in the season, he's still not like the greatest shot creator. He's more of a guy who's a pick and roll guy, a playmaker, and then an off ball shooter, especially at this point in his career. So Donovan Mitchell has been uh, asked to do a lot and has been given a lot of responsibility. And at some point, it, he's going to start hitting more shots as well. Like some of the time, it's just him missing shots that he routinely makes so much. Like he's missing a lot of his mid ranges and stuff that is his bread and butter. So I expect that to definitely take uh, a leap and take a step forward. Um, but it's definitely been weird to see him struggle at this point in the season. I think they do have some constructional. Uh, parts of their team that has caused him to struggle like I just said and yeah I don't think this will keep up I think Donovan Mitchell is going to go back to his typical self but he's definitely got to get things going and has been struggling so far this year uh, now getting into some player spotlights first starting off with Peyton Pritchard uh, as a Boston Celtics fan uh, Payton Pritchard was a player who I was actually very frustrated that we drafted, and I didn't think he was going to be some bad player by any means. It was more of a product of who was available on the board. Uh, I felt like a lot of players who were better than him were on the board. A guy like Tyrell Terry, who I was in love with as a prospect, was still on the board, and the Celtics took Payton Pritchard. But Payton Pritchard has proved me completely wrong at this point. I knew he was going to be a player who was going to be uh, pretty NBA-ready, considering he was a four-year pro at Oregon and was a player who was just super solid there, very smart guys, well, just high Q, good shooter. Like, he has all the transitionable skills that you'd want in an NBA player. But I just didn't think it would transition this early, especially due to his lack of size. He is a 6'1", 195-pound player, so he's very, very small. And that does lead to him sometimes struggling on defense, which has been an issue at certain points, but hasn't been a big issue as a whole. Uh, but his offense has just really stood out. He's been awesome for the Celtics off the bench and has brought a big spark that they really, really needed especially without Kemba and then with Marcus Smart uh, missing a game and now they're going to be missing a lot of depth because of uh, health protocols they're missing a ton of guys who were great off the bench so again Peyton Pritchard is going to be asked to step up and as a Celtics fan I am fully confident in him stepping up to the plate he's not scared of the moment at all we saw it in that heat game he had that big game winner which is just absolutely awesome brad stevens seems to love him all the guys in the locker room seem to love him he's a very good playmaker i mean he's only averaging 3.2 assists per game but he just makes the right pass he's very unselfish as well but he does a good job of mixing him being an unselfish player but also being a go-getter and getting uh, to his spots and getting his shots off like he is an aggressive player too he's not just a guy who's uh, passive uh, even though he will uh, give the ball to a guy like Jason Tatum because he knows those guys are the better players uh, but he's willing to be an off-ball shooter but still be a creator he's done a very good job of uh, getting to the basket with his super nice handle he's just really quick and then he's been pretty crafty around the basket would like to see him get to the free throw line more and that's definitely something I think he uh, could improve on is is his ability to take contacts because he's only getting to the line 0.9 times per game in 22.3 minutes but his outside shooting has been pretty good is shooting uh 34.8 percent but that is due to him having a pretty poor game overall against the heat even though he did hit that game winner overall he just wasn't shooting it well uh, especially when he was asked to have more responsibility uh with with guys just missing time he uh, played quite a lot in that game i think he shot three for ten overall from three so that's hurting his percentage but he was shooting a very very good percent from 
uh, from the three before. I love his ability in the passing lanes. He can get abused on defense sometimes just due to players being stronger than him and players being bigger than him. That's just kind of the give and take you have with a 6-1 player. But he's very, very good at getting in the passing lanes. He's done such an awesome job of that for the Celtics. He's averaging 1.2 steals per game. Uh, he's one of the highest guys uh, for rookies and steals as a whole. And again, he's just been awesome. He's been such an important part off the Celtics bench, which was the thing I was most worried about them. Most people talk about the center rotation, and I honestly wasn't worried about that with Tristan Thompson, Daniel Tice, and Rob Williams. Even though I was somewhat worried about it in like a, a playoff series against a really good big, I thought it would be uh, acceptable, especially for the regular season. But I was worried about their depth, and a guy like Payne Pritchard has made me not worry about their depth because I thought it would be a bit of a nightmare without Kemba. And then if a, if a guy like Marcus Smart were to miss any time, then I was terrified. But Payne Pritchard has showed that he can step up to the plate and be a very, very good and impactful player right away. He's done that. He was big in the Raptors game. He hit the game winner against the Heat. And he's just done absolutely everything and more you'd want out of a rookie. He's been one of the steals of the draft and has been awesome for my Boston Celtics. Definitely turned to one of my favorite players, not only on this team, but in the league as a whole. Which is funny because I went from criticizing him so much to being absolutely in love with him. But that's just due to him performing so damn well. Shout out my boy Peyton Pritchard. Next player I want to talk about is Tyrese Halliburton. He has been an absolute stud for the Sacramento Kings so far. Uh, I called this out, him being one of the biggest steals in the draft. And I think he was someone who basically everybody was in agreement on that he was one of the biggest steals in the draft. But I didn't even expect him to be this good. Even as someone who is a big fan of Tyrese, uh, I compared him to a Lonzo Ball, Malcolm Brogdon type of player where you're just a very well-rounded point guard who can do a bit of everything. I really like the Malcolm Brogdon comparison, and he's lived up to that so far. In this, At this point in the season, he's averaging 11.7 points. Uh, 2.8 rebounds and 4.7 assists on 51% from the field, 48.1% from three, and 87.5% from the line. His jump shot was definitely something I was somewhat worried about. I figured he would shoot a pretty good percent, obviously not 48.1%, and that isn't sustainable. Like uh, That's such a high percentage. I expect him to go down to more the 40 range, which is still an elite percentage. But his jump shot is just very, very weird. But I wasn't one of those people who was super worried about it because at the end of the day, if your jump shot goes in, I don't really care what it looks like. Uh, and that jump shot definitely does go in, even if it can be sometimes hard for him to get it off, especially off the dribble. Like it's very, very slow. Uh, but as a catch and shoot player, especially, he has been phenomenal and it's just been hitting so many uh, big time shots for them. He does a good job of uh, just really being unselfish and getting other teammates involved like he's only taking 8.2 shots per game and it's still scoring 11.7 uh, uh, points per game so that just shows you everything right there he's focused on being mainly a three-point shooter because he's not that good of a finisher and that was one of his biggest weaknesses is that he doesn't have much of a floater game he doesn't have a very good finishing game but he just knows his strength so much which is very very good because even though you'd want him to be better at certain areas of his game it's also important for him to have the self-awareness that he isn't a player who's going to be this huge time scorer. Uh, he's not going to be like a 28 point per game score at any point in his career. And that was one of his other criticisms is that he didn't really have star potential. He had an elite and amazing role player potential, but it's not true star star potential. 
Uh, and I still think that's a thing, but he's done everything to be already an elite role player. So I think he can be like a 20-point, five-assist guy at some point in his career. And I think the dynamic with him and De'Aaron Fox is so good because they have a lot of uh, – strengths that are similar to each other but they also have very clear uh, differences to their game like they're both very very good playmakers both really good defenders do a great job of getting into the passing lane uh, but Tyrese is a much slower guy much less athletic a much better shooter as well and De'Aaron Fox is just this crazy athletic pushes the pace so well and they just mirror each other's game and they just work so well off each other uh I love Tyrese's ability on the defensive side of the ball, especially. He is just such a smart player. Like, this man is a genius of basketball. You could tell he is a student of the game, and he loves the game. He has already shown that in his vision. Playmaking, awesome, 4.7 assists per game. And he just has so many very impressive passes and then does such a good job on defense. Even when he's not getting, like, a steal... Uh, he just does all the fundamental things right that don't show up on the stat sheet. But when you're watching the game stand out so much, his rotations are absolutely phenomenal and are so impressive for a rookie. He looks like a vet out there. He looks like a guy who's been in the league for like five years. But no, this dude is a 20-year-old rookie who is still only 185 pounds. He still has so much he can add to his game. Uh, physically, mentally, skill set-wise, he can still be so much better than he is right now. And he's already great. He's looking like another one of the steals of the draft for 2020. And he, w I loved his game so much because he was one of those very uh, potentially low ceiling but super high floor guys. So honestly, I'm not that surprised that he's been so awesome uh, already because he was such a high floor guy. Like I was so confident out of any player in the class uh, that he would just be a really solid player. Like for almost every player, I had big worries about them just being a uh, a potential bust like LaMelo. There's very clear worries about him. Anthony Edwards, James Wiseman, him and like Onyeka Kongwu were two of the players I was just most confident in being amazing role players, if anything. And he has already been that. He's just a genius of the game and has all the skills in the world to be such a solid player. Looks like he'll probably be an all-rookie first-team guy and has been one of the most impressive rookies, probably the most impressive and the best rookie so far at this point in the season. Love absolutely everything I've uh, seen from Tyrese Halliburton. I cannot give him enough praise. He's been amazing. Last player I want to talk about is LaMelo Ball. Obviously, he's a player who got quite a lot of hype, and it makes sense. I mean, he's such a flashy player. We all know about his family. He's actually facing off against Alonzo tonight, which will be very, very fun. And he's been quite impressive so far this season. He's averaging 11.8 points, uh, 5.1 rebounds, and 4.9 assists in only 24 minutes per game on 40.5% from the field, 34.3% from uh, three and 73.7 percent .7 from the line i think he's a player who will be the starter for this roster very very soon as Devonte graham uh, has struggled and i expect him to probably continue uh, some of his struggles and Lamelo ball has just been shining like this isn't just a product of Devonte graham being uh, underwhelming disappointing it's somewhat of a product but Lamelo has also just been a good player at this point uh, so far in the season his efficiency isn't even that good but 
it's honestly better than I expected. Because even as someone who is a big fan of LaMelo's game, I had him as my number one player in the 2020 class. I expected him to struggle early on in the season, especially with efficiency. But 40% from the field obviously isn't like an ideal percent, but it's not bad. And then especially his three-point percentage, I expected it to be uh, like 29, 30%, 34% isn't even that bad. And he's shooting 4.4 game. He's shooting them in rhythm. He's shooting them with confidence. He's shooting them from long range. He's just playing his game. And that's what was going to allow LaMelo to succeed. It's just have a, fl- a free flowing game where he's not forced by any coach to play outside of himself. Cause he's just a guy who plays how he wants to play. And he's going to and there's going to be some ugly moments with that. There's going to be some moments where he's uh, throwing a lot of turnovers. But he's done a good job of that at this point. Only averaging 2.1 turnovers, 4.9 assists. I would like to see the assists get up. But I think that's more of a product of him not playing that many minutes and having uh, other people alongside him who can have the ball in their hands as well. Like Gordon Hayward's been awesome for them so far. Terry Rozier's been awesome. But I think at some point he can be one of the highest assist guys in the league. Because his vision is just straight up phenomenal. And then he has the special ability that his brother has as well of throwing these half court just super long passes that are just so elite and are so fun to watch as well and he's so good at fitting passes into just the tightest of windows uh, like he has already mastered uh, being a playmaker his on the defensive side of the ball honestly hasn't been even that bad like he hasn't been great but you got to consider rookie guard we didn't expect him to be good on defense anyway so him just being uh a fine enough defender. He's averaged 1.6 steals. Like he's been, he's been decent on that side of the ball. Uh, and he very clearly has things he needs to improve on, even though the three point percentage isn't too bad and is pretty surprising. Uh, his jump shot is still super weird. And I just talked about Tyrese Halber and how his jump shot is weird, but his jump shot is consistently going, gone in Lamelo's is super consistent. Uh, inconsistent and then he has those things where he flares out his elbows it's just a very weird jump shot that I don't really trust to uh, be consistent at all to be honest and it hasn't been throughout at this point in his career he needs to be better at taking contact for sure he's getting to the line 2.4 times a game which isn't terrible but I would definitely like to see that more he has kind of the similar thing as uh, Lonzo with just not being that good at taking contact while attacking the basket and a lot of times he could take these off balance floaters which he's actually very good at like he has an awesome floater game but I just would like to see him really put his chest into people and try and finish through but that's going to be something that takes time this dude is 6 8 and 180 pounds like he's super skinny not strong at all at this point in his career so I think that's something that will come with time he needs to put on muscle develop his body he's still a 19 year old kid at the end of the day it's gonna be something that we need patience uh, with him and if he has some points where he's struggling uh, I still think he should be the starter on this roster because his ceiling is just so high and he's already proven to be a plus player for this roster uh, and he's just he just makes this team so much fun. Like him and Miles Bridges already have such an awesome lob connection. Uh, I love the ability for him to like run pick and pops with PJ Washington. Him and Gordon Hayward work well off each other. I just think he should be the starter for this roster because it, it just flows so well with him out there. And he's playing good basketball right now. I really enjoy what I've seen from the Mellow Ball, and he's been a pleasure to watch at this point in the NBA season. And that's why I gave him one of my rookie spotlights. I hope you enjoyed the episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. It's Ben Michael. Peace out.